The night is past, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, as we begin this new liturgical year with the season of Advent, Holy Church, through the sacred liturgy and the texts she provides for our reflection today, reminds us once again of the coming of the Savior in dread majesty at the end of the world. In order to prepare us for his coming on the last day, St. Paul exhorts us to cast off the works of darkness. These works of darkness, my dear friends, are nothing other than mortal sin in all of its kinds. Yes, if we are to be numbered among his faithful sheep on the day of judgment and placed at his right hand, rather than numbered among the goats who are to be cast out into the interior, exterior darkness, we must abandon sin. To avoid it in the future, let us consider the effects of mortal sin. Mortal sin is any grievous offense against the law of God. It destroys sanctifying grace and causes the death of the soul by depriving it of its supernatural life. The sinner continues to live, certainly, and seemingly thrive, but his soul, however, is darkened and dead and cut off from God, the source of light and love. It should be truly terrifying for us to reflect on what we lose when we commit just one single mortal sin. As St. Thomas Aquinas reminds us, the good of grace in one is greater than the good of nature in the whole universe. The slightest degree of sanctifying grace contained in the soul of an infant after baptism is more precious than the natural good of the entire universe, all angelic natures taken together. For the least degree of sanctifying grace belongs to an enormously superior order, to the order of the inner life of God, which is superior to all miracles and to all outward signs of divine revelation. Remember that sanctifying grace elevates us to our participation in the very nature of God Himself. We are children of God, exclaims St. Paul, but if we are children, we are heirs as well, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And with each mortal sin committed, we forfeit this inestimable treasure. Mortal sin cancels out any merit we may have amassed for the next life. The Lord of hosts tells us by the mouth of his prophet, But if the just man turn himself away from his justice and do iniquity according to all the abominations which the wicked man useth to work, shall he live? All his justices which he hath done shall not be remembered. In the prevarication by which he hath prevaricated, and in his sin which he hath committed, and then he shall die. All of our life's work of prayer, penance, and works of charity can be wiped out and destroyed in an instant. St. Albert the Great, the great teacher of St. Thomas Aquinas, was a genius, a master in all fields of learning. In his free time, he spent nearly 30 years on a little project. He constructed an automaton, a type of robot that could speak and act as though it were a living being. 
So excited with his creation, when it was finally finished, he desired to show it to one of his friends. But his friend was so moved with fear at the sight that he smashed it to pieces. Stop, cried St. Albert, but it was too late. What have you done? Thirty years have I labored to work, to bring this work to perfection, and in a single instant you have destroyed it. Dear friends, we destroy much worse each time you willingly commit grave sin. After depriving us of any merit we have already gained, the state of sin impedes us from meriting in the meantime, as long as we remain in this sorry state. Any good works, even if they be miraculous, avail for nothing, if done without charity. And if we are in a state of mortal sin, the charity of God no longer reigns in our hearts. But if we are in a state of sin, we should at least strive not to omit doing good works, for by the actual grace of God they may lead to our repentance. A single mortal sin merits the pains of hell because of its malice. It is a turning away from God and a serious inordinate adherence to created things. A grave injury to the rational nature with which God has endowed us and always disrupts the social order of the body of Christ, the Church, whether we see that fact or not. Therefore, the sinner is to be punished for all eternity with a double punishment of the pain of the senses for having misused creation and the pain of loss for having turned away from God our Creator. Yet God is merciful and desires not the death of the sinner, but rather that he be converted and live. Any sin, no matter how great, can be forgiven if we truly repent. Remember that for a sin to be considered mortal, it must fulfill certain conditions. It must be a grave matter. We must have full knowledge and we must consent fully to the end. Grave matter is determined by the object and the circumstances of the act. Certain actions are always and everywhere matter for mortal sin, such as sins of lust and blasphemy. Others are not always so grave, as mitigating circumstances can make them venial, such as, such as certain cases of theft or certain violations of the Church's law of fasting. Full advertence to the moral nature of the act is also required. Therefore, if such knowledge is lacking, the sin will be considered venial, or perhaps not even a sin at all because of the imperfection of the human act. Full consent of the will is necessary, and this is always presumed if full knowledge is there, and if there is no exterior violence or coercion to commit the act. Certainly fear or strong passion can diminish one's consent, but they do not destroy it, and we will still be somewhat culpable for the actions we commit. All three conditions must be met for the sin to be considered mortal. If we have some doubt about any one of them, we should briefly and candidly make it known to our confessor nonetheless and submit to 
the judgment and the mercy of God. Let us then resolve to make good resolutions this Advent tide, to avoid this great evil of mortal sin, and all the occasions to sin, which so often we frequently play with. Pray daily for strength, frequent the sacraments, and resist at the very beginning of temptations. St. Francis de Sales teaches us, as soon as you feel yourself tempted, follow what little children do when they see a wolf or a bear in a field. They run at once to their father's or mother's arms, or at least call out to them for help and assistance. Our saint goes on to say, It is true, we have to resist great temptations with invincible courage, and their victory which it brings is very profitable. But perhaps we may be able to gain even greater profit by resisting well small temptations. Advent is a time of prayer, reflection, and penance. Let us then make good use of this time which God grants us to atone for our past sins and to think on the realities of death, judgment, heaven, and hell. The more we take our Advent seriously this year, the greater will be our joy and the graces at His coming. May the Divine Savior be our protector so that we may be rescued from the impending danger of our sins and our deliverer so that we may obtain our salvation. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.